0: Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Zephaniah. I started off two weeks ago. I did an intro on Zephaniah. I explained to you that he was a prophet of royal descent and that he had to, first of all, speak to his family. Awkward conversation when you have to tell your family. I think God is saying... You need to do something that you are not doing or stop doing what you are doing. Zephaniah, the royal prophet, speaks to what I call his cousins. And I told you guys it was Johannes, the son of Johannes, the son of Johannes, the son of Johannes, the son of Johannes. Johannes. Because he was the great-great-grandson of King Hezekiah. And uh, fortunately, his words brought some sense to his cousin, what I call his cousin, Josiah. There was reform. So then Marlise did a, quite a good job last week of bringing a, a difficult chapter. The, the, the way I, I, I can describe it is somebody sent her a message and said, you took a difficult portion of Scripture and you made it sing. And I think she, she brought it home, complacency. She, she, she hit it first. Eh? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I'm not pausing for applause. I promise you this. And then I've got the unenviable task of bringing chapter 2. And then Lainey, you're so fortunate. <laughs> she gets chapter three next week. <laughs> and then we're wrapping up. So it's four weeks on, on our first one of, of majoring on one of the minor prophets. Zephaniah, 36th book of the Bible. Fourth last one in the Old Testament. Three chapters, 53 verses, 1,617 words. Have you read it through yet? Oh, you guys are amazing. Ah. Oh. Notebooks out, ESVs out. (laughs) Let's read chapter 2. Gather together, yes gather, O shameless nation. Four uh, four befores, listen to them. Before the decree takes effect. What decree? The decree that he just spoke to his cousin in chapter 1, according to us, but probably just in conversation. Before the day passes away like chaff, Before there comes upon you the burning anger of the Lord. And before there comes upon you the day of the anger of the Lord. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. For Gaza shall be deserted and Ascalon shall become a desolation. Ashdod, the Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon. How specific is that? And Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, you nation of the Keratites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. And I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, you shall become pastures with meadows for shepherds and faults for flocks. The seacoast shall become the possession of the remnant of the house of Judah on which they shall graze. And in the houses of Ashkelon, They shall lie down at evening for the Lord, their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. It's talking about the remnant of Judah here. I've heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boast against their territory. Therefore, as I live declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom, and the Ammonites, like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. And we don't sit comfortably with this, or maybe it's just me. But we don't want to know that God is taking from some so that the remnant of Judah can have. He's saying here, I'm going to plunder your neighbors for you. Like, maybe, maybe it's just me, but it's, it seems... Unfair. This shall be their lot in return for their pride because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them. This awesome, one of my friends said, it is not the awesome as in the bungee jumping experience was awesome. It is terrifying and filled with fear. The awesome. I was looking for some base there from the back, but I didn't get it. For he will famish all the gods of the earth. Famish, he will kill them all. And to him shall bow down, each in its place, all the lands of the nations. Don't you want to just put a mark thereby? by, the Lord will be awesome, verse 11, against them. For he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down, each in its place, all the lands of the nations. That is a pivotal verse for us this morning. You also, O Cushite, shall be slain by the sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. And he will make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. Herd shall lie down in her midst, all kinds of beasts. Even the owl and the hedgehog shall lo- lodge in her capitals. I don't know why the owl and the hedgehog. I've asked God, but I don't know why specifically a hedgehog and an owl. I'm going to go with maybe those animals are deemed to be a sign of a curse. we we'll go with that. A voice shall hoot in the window. Devastation will be on the threshold. For her cedar work will be laid bare. And this is the exultant city. Nineveh described itself. The people in Nineveh, how's this for arrogance, went and said, they are the the, the city to be. That is the worthwhile city to live in. Nineveh said that about themselves. Securely, that said in her heart, I am and there's no one else. What a desolation she has become. A lair for wild beasts. Everyone who passes by her hisses and shakes his fist. And Father, we thank you that we can read your word out loud. And God, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but you speak to our hearts through your word. This morning as a preacher, this is the most secure thing I can give your people, is your word read aloud over them into their hearts. I pray that you make it come alive in their hearts, that you give them revelation as they read it, that you inspire thought and Holy Spirit that you brood over every word that you speak to your children this morning. We trust you this morning, God. Myself, I have no discernible ability to bring anything of revelation to your people, God. But in you, Lord, there is anointing and there is ability. Speak to hearts this morning, my God. So, a couple of observations here. When you read this verse, this is written to the neighbors who were the constant enemies of the Judahites. Um I'm going to show you a map a little later on that positions the kingdom of Judah. And you will see. But it's, if you read it, you should read it with a tone for these enemies hearing that there's no hope. We're going to be smitten by this God that we have seen do it before. It's how written. You should read it with a tone of understanding that God loves Judah and... It's giving them a, a way out. He says, if you, the first, the four before, before the decree takes effect, before the day passes, before the burning anger comes, before the anger of the day of the Lord comes, if you just turn away and change your ways, I will take from your neighbors and I will give to you. And it doesn't sit right with us as people because we want fairness, don't we? But God is clear. I'm not a fair God. I'm a just God. And consequences is that maybe your neighbors will have what you had, Judah. Maybe you will have what your neighbors had. He says, I'm just and vengeance is mine. I will vindicate. That's what he says. But we want to live in this society where, where it should just be fair. I sometimes think, can those people that don't serve your God, can their bank accounts just secretly get drained and put over to mine, like you see in the movies where there's a Swiss code that somebody stole and just decided to say, here you go, you can have it. Some euros and dollars. Or you open a, a box from somebody who, who shouldn't have it and there's a pack of of, of notes there and a couple of passports. Boom, I'm a, I'm a UK citizen. I want that because in my mind, I want it to be fair. But is He's not a fair God. He's a just God. You know, justice isn't cruelty. He's not hanging it in front of the neighbor saying, na, 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 na. You are losing your high places. I'm giving it all to Judah. He's not cruel. He's not, he's not like we are. He's just, which means in his presence, righteousness stands and consequences come from him. I want to talk to you about this morning about the four neighbors of the kingdom of Judah. We, we've spoken when I introduced Zephaniah that you cannot read Old Testament prophecies and say, oh Lord, this must still come into fulfillment, because maybe it's already been fulfilled. You understood that? Then you can read it as there's still things being fulfilled in our day and age, and then you can read it that things will, will be. So, so one of the things it mentions Gaza, Gaza w- was one of the states of the Philistines. And today, has anybody heard the news report on the Gaza Strip? Philistines that are saying to the United Nations, but the Jews and the Israelites are occupying us. And they're saying, we're not occupying it, we're just making sure that they don't, they're not attacking us. That's the Gaza Strip. It's, and, and, and I think if you read it in context, that you can probably draw an inference and say maybe there's a fulfillment there. But be very careful when you read the Old Testament books not to go and look for fulfillment of the prophecies now. Right. Put it in historical context. First enemy. First neighbor. The Philistines. Is the map up there? Kingdom of Israel. There's Ashdod and Askelon. Can you see it in the red? Can you see the Gaza Strip? Philistine state, the neighbors of Judah, you read through the history of the Israelites and you constantly hear the Philistines. They sent out giants. They constantly attacked the Jews. They were off to their land. They slaughtered their sheep. They burned down their orchards. They cut down the vineyards. They destroyed their, their crops. They were just mean neighbors. Anybody have less friendly neighbors? Chop down half of your tree when you're not home. Happens. They were mean neighbors. But you know what? You cannot read a a historical recount, an account of the, the Jews and the kingdoms without hearing the word the Philistines. You read through Judges the Philistines. They were a constant, ever-present foe, a familiar foe. Your neighbor this morning, what familiar foe do you have in your life? What cycle of behavior do you find yourself repeating? Addiction you keep falling into? behavior and reaction, your wife comes to you all lovingly and talks to you and you just snap because you're under pressure. What familiar foe is attacking you constantly this morning? You know what the enemy does with those familiar foes? He brings it and he uses it with guilt and condemnation. Just like the Philistines came and they constantly, they they were incessant, man. Those bullies that just taunt you all the time. And the, the enemy uses those things in our lives where you constantly fall into bad patterns and bad behaviors. And he comes and he says, "You, uh, guilt and condemnation on you. Just take bucket loads of it. And he cripples you. And then lamentations come and it says, mercies are new every morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness, O God. When that enemy to your west comes and it reminds you that you have stumbled again and that you have slipped up again. And how many times do you think a righteous, just God will forgive you for the same thing over and over And he reminds you about that because he wants you to sit like a scared little child on the step and not participate in the life that God has for you. You rise up and you say, my God's mercies are new every morning. And make and understand me clearly here. I'm speaking to you as a father. I'm not making an excuse for sinful living. I'm not even remotely justifying That it is okay for you to pursue unrighteousness, unholy living. That's not what I'm saying. But you and I know we are imperfect. And when we slip up, there isn't time today to sit on the sideline and play, like in Afrikaans you said, with, with guilt and condemnation. You dust yourself off and you say, my God's mercies are new for me. Father, I repent. I will try my utmost not to do this again, but I will not sit on the sideline. I will participate for you. You know, God is more interested in your heart of repentance than he is in the detail and the frequency of your sin. Second city, second neighbor that comes, second enemy that comes, Moab and Ammon. You know where Moab and Ammon came from? Ammon, Ammon. The Ammonites. Lot and Abraham, the covenant, Abraham was called. Lot says, I'm going with you. I also want to see this land that this mysterious God that spoke to you about. I want to see this. And Lot goes, and they get slightly wiped out. And his daughters fall pregnant from their father. One gives birth to Moab. The one gives birth to Amon. Becomes another thing. That constantly distracts the focus of the Israelites from God. The Moabites and the Ammonites. If you read through the Old Testament, you will hear, Ruth was from the Moabites. (laughs) You read it. This enemy is the enemy of past indiscretions. I think it sits to to the east, if I'm reading it correctly. And it is that thing where you cannot think that, yes, how can God use me? The enemy comes and he uses this one. And he says, you are not worthy to be used. Who do you think you are? How can you think this is the interpretation of the scripture? You are a fool. You are not qualified. You, you don't even read good. Who do you think you are, Jahan? I know what you've done. I know what you have pursued. I know your heart. You are unworthy for a holy God to use. You're not a good speaker. You're not a good thinker. You basically are a pitiful excuse for you. Have you ever heard anything like that? Is it just me? I'd constantly think about all the bad things I've done in my life. God, why would you choose me? I stand amazed at the favor of God and the restoration power where he can take somebody like me and he says, I trust you to lead my people. I trust you to have six children. I'll trust you with the life of a young man. I trust you. I think, God, do you even know who I am? you must have my brother-in-law because he's a better Johan than I am. Unworthy. And You know what? He anyway uses it to bring that shame and that unworthiness in us. And he brings it and he heaps onto it. There's no hope for you at all. And you go to Proverbs 23, 18 and you said, Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off you go to Jeremiah 29, and he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of a hopeful future, and listen to this, it's, um, it's incredible, open your Bibles to Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14, if you haven't underlined this, you have to underline this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, and then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And when that enemy comes and he's throwing boulders at you and fiery darts and he says you are unworthy, you say Jeremiah 29, 11 stands firm in me. My foundation is secure. The next enemy, the neighbor, Ethiopia. Do I have to explain to you that Ethiopia was the, the, the she was the queen, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the Cushites, the, the, the one of the, the powers of the time came and visited Solomon, and learned from him, and uh, the. Ethiopia still believe that they have a royal descendant from the royal line of Solomon. Um, That's what they believe today. And at this point in history, they were the dominant power in Egypt. The Ethiopians. And for me, this enemy is one of idolatry. That takes the place of prominence in our lives. We don't want to hear this thing. Because it's this thing of pride and pleasure. I myself can look after myself. I'm the dominant power in my life. I can bring myself pleasure and joy because I know myself. I can do all things for that matter. When the Bible says, "I can do all things through Christ Jesus," and the enemy takes this one and he uses it to make ourselves gods and remove God from His throne in our lives, Romans three twenty-three says that all of all fall short of the glory of God, and we know this. We know that we have sinned. And we are imperfect, but perfectly forgiven in Christ. We, we, we have that. I hope if you are a Limbronian that you, you have that secure. We all fall short, but we are perfectly forgiven by Jesus Christ. We all fall short of the glory of God. That glory means who He is. None of us. None of us are like Him. The fourth one. Assyria. I call this the enemy of intimidation. This portion of scripture mentions Nineveh. I told you the exultant city. Nineveh thought they were the only worthwhile city. Come to Dubai. We're the only city. Come to Joburg. We've got it all. You heard that? New York. Only worthwhile cities in the world to live in. If God doesn't like Cape Town and Ranfantine. But Nineveh was the state and the capital of the Assyrians. One of them. And they were bad. So bad that God wanted to wipe them out. We know the story of Jonah. But still, when they said, sorry God, he was gracious beyond measure. And said, "I will have mercies on you," just to support my point earlier. But this, this is Syrians. I, I listen to a couple of people to influence my style of preaching. That I, you know, guys, know I like. Wayne Gridham and John Piper, and I listen to Ravi Zacharias. It's it's to talk of, or influence my style, my knowledge, my theology, my references. Keep me balanced. i mix in a little bit of Bethel every now and again. Have a healthy diet of of mixed veggies and mints and whatever. But one guy that I also listen to is a, is a preacher in America. In, he, he does a theology sessions where he talks about it, and he speaks about the book of, of Daniel. My brother-in-law, the other Johann, introduced me to him. But he says, the Assyrians would go in and decimate, destroy. Their tactic Was intimidation and fear. That's what they stood for. They would make a pile of heads. And leave it in the center of town. So that every inhabitant of that town would see they are the dominant power. Ruthless. Cruel. Where the Babylonians would come and they would take them away. And they would indoctrinate them through... um, and showing them how great they, they were, they would would um, almost tempt them into turning Babylonia. This is our great ways. This is our great city. And then quietly, while everybody was there, they would go back and destroy, um, that, so that there's nothing that they could go back to. But the Assyrians were the cruel ones. They chopped up women. They chopped up kids. They destroyed the the very Spirit within a person, if you can understand what I'm saying. They broke the nation down. They didn't need fences or gates or chains because people were so fearful of this force that would come. And that is the fourth, the fourth enemy. Intimidation. Fear, fear, fear. And it's rife at the moment. How will we preach the truths of God if this bill is ratified and promulgated in Parliament? How will we hold the full gospel of God? Oh, this is, this is a disaster. And we start to cower in ourselves to the point of no action. Yes, somebody has tabled a bill that says we can't talk about things because it will be classified as hate speech. But we can stand up and sign petitions. And who are we going to be more in awe of? Who's going to fill us with more reverential fear? The one that we know that is able to create planets. The one that can take our life and cause us to live with the one who creates planets for all eternity. The enemy does, he comes and he takes situations out of perspective and he highlights certain facets of it to intimidate you, to cause you to live a life of fear. What does the Bible say? There is no fear in love because the perfect love of God drives out all fear. And when that enemy comes, I think, and they rise from the north, from the south. Where were they? At the bottom, at the top. And they want to push you to the center and cause you to stand and tremble in fear. You say, I will fear the Lord, my God, and I will live in his perfect love because then in me, there shouldn't be any fear. And Guys, I'm speaking here as if I've conquered it, but I haven't. I get intimidated. It's because I can shout. <laughs> it doesn't mean there's no intimidation. And I do shout when I get a fright. A little bit of vulnerability there. I scream like a little girl. But I have to rise above this thing of fear when this enemy throws it at us. And say, hey, I can't do this. And when you can't, you take your phone and you go to WhatsApp and you text every person in your home group and you text every Christian that you know and you're saying, I'm feeling fearful, just pray. Because God is less interested in the detail and more interested in your heart. Going back to where I told you to make a mark in Zephaniah 2. The Lord will be awesome Against them. For he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down, each in its place, all the lands of the nations. Listen to this in the New Living Translation. The Lord will terrify, he will terrify them as he destroys all the gods in the land. Then Nations around the world will worship the Lord, each in their own land. Let my people go so they may worship me in a spacious place. If you can stand against these enemies of temptation, of intimidation, If you can rise up and say to these familiar foes, Yes, you tripped me up again, but I will rise again in repentance and grace. If you say, I will not be sidelined. You yourself will be in a spacious place to worship the Lord your God. And when we worship the Lord our God, other nations will worship him and fall down in repentance. Say too promises it. The word of the Lord promises it. Anybody here that struggle with familiar foes? Yeah. Other perfect ones, just pray for us. Anybody here that ha- are crippled or debilitated by past indiscretion sometimes? Yeah. Anybody here tempted to, to worship something other than the Lord your God? The last ones, anybody ever intimidated? Financial loss, reputational loss. It's just the fear of somebody that shouts louder than you. I asked Marion to come and do What a Beautiful Name and then another song. And this morning, I'm going to ask you if, it's, if you if you are only able to do it for a few minutes. Stand now. And, and let the scriptures that I gave you chase out those enemies so that we can worship for a few minutes in a spacious place.